in a culture where we have lots of people expressing their opinions, debate forces you to really think as other people think. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Well, Andrew, is it hot enough for you yet? It's going to get worse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, summer is, of course, a really hot time of year for us here in Oklahoma. Yeah. Because we don't just have the heat. We have the humidity. Yes. But if you're having a pity party for yourself, I I suggest you just go somewhere really horrible, like Louisiana or Houston. (laughs) This is true. Or South Carolina. (laughs) And then come back and you realize we don't have it as worse as some people. This is true. It's a a drier heat. Or I could just go to California. Yeah, and just avoid it altogether. (laughs) Avoid it altogether. Yes, but summer brings all sorts of good things, though, in addition to 90-degree days. Yes, it does. Nonstop. I think it gives um, parents and teachers and students opportunities perhaps to explore areas that they can't get to during the school year and maybe pique some interest. Mm -hmm. And we've had someone on our show recently talking about entrepreneurship, which we are huge fans of entrepreneurship here in this company because you, Andrew, are such an entrepreneur. But today we have a guest and we're going to be talking about competitive speech and debate and not that you are competitively speaking but you certainly know how to speak and so this is certainly a passion of yours so Amy Joy welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much it's great to be here. So you are the director of education for the NCFCA and did I get that right? You did. And NCFCA stands for? The National Christians Forensics and Communications Association. Yes. It's not the smoothest acronym that could have been (laughs) made. But, you know, sometimes when you make an acronym, you don't think ahead all that much. (laughs) Like I-E-W. It is very very descriptive of what we do, but it is a mouthful. Yes. So I had the opportunity to uh, get started with uh, speech and debate through the NCFCA a long time ago. Uh, Probably, I guess we're looking at 18 years ago, I'm thinking 2001, 2002. Uh, We were living in California at the time, and we lived in the Central Coast area, San Luis Obispo, some of our listeners may know. If you have to live in California, it's one of the nicer areas. That or Southern California. <clears throat> we lived three miles from Disneyland, Disneyland which was uh, lovely. lovely. Uh, <laughs> and there was no club mm-hmm. within 90 miles right. of where we lived. But this other mom and I wanted to have our kids do this, this mm-hmm. you know debate thing. 
Uh, I don't know why we read something or heard something. Um, maybe maybe they, maybe you listened to a podcast. I, I don't think there <laughs> no. were a whole lot of podcasts 18 years ago. But we just got together and said, well, if we're going to do it, we're going to have to do it ourselves. So we yes. got Christy Scheip's book, Guide to Policy Debate. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had four students in the club, two of her children, one of my children, and another young man who probably had not said 20 consecutive words to anyone in a very long time. (laughs) And we had no idea. The whole thing was foreign, like 1AC, you know, what's that stand for? And so we just... Okay, we just so tried our listeners to... don't know what that means. No, well, they will. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we just started at the very, very beginning of trying to understand the format and the policy uh, resolution for that year, if I recall correctly, was that medical malpractice insurance sh- law should be significantly reformed. So it was mm-hmm. really obscure stuff. And we went to our first tournament, actually, down in Southern California. Oh, okay. And I think our teams, we had two teams, and they lost every round. Uh, sure. It was just horrible. It was, it was so awful. But on the other hand, we came back from that and said, I think we're starting to have a vision of what this actually is. What are we That's trying right. to do here? We didn't have, gosh, we didn't have YouTubes of debate rounds to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really... We didn't even have the video that went with Christy Scheip's book. We just had that book. We came back and we said, okay, I think we can rethink this. And mm-hmm. and uh, I believe we were able to get a hold of some cases, like a, the Blue Book or something. Yes. Uh, that was available to, to have some ready-to-go cases and negative briefs. And we went to our second tournament, and one of our teams won one round. <laughs> and we thought, That's okay, <laughs> this is possible. Yes, I mean, we totally got creamed. But so it was two girls, my daughter and and her friend Chelsea, and then Chelsea's brother David, and then this other guy. I don't think I can remember his name. The one who never talked. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we kept at it. We went to I think four tournaments in California that season, and um, even the boys won a round. That's one great. time at one tournament. And then our club doubled in size the next year. We lost uh, the, t- the two oldest, but we gained uh, six more kids. So we had eight. So we had four policy teams, and a couple of them wanted to do a speech. So we got involved in, uh, I think it was persuasive mm-hmm. platform speak. And then the next year, we almost doubled again. We were at 15 kids. And so interest grew strongly. Our competence and knowledge grew. But I think back on that and I think, wow, if we had had some of the resources that are available today, it would have been a lot more efficient and somewhat less frustrating for for Debbie and for me because we were just really winging it. And And the best thing you could do was go to judge orientation. Yes. Where they would give you like a 45 minute lecture. That would include everything you would ever need to know about debate theory. And you think, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do here. Right. <laughs> and of right. course, that whole process has been streamlined greatly. So uh, we kept at that for about eight years uh, in California. And then we moved to Oklahoma. And that's when I met um, Kim Cromer. She yes. was in Texas at the time. And through the last 10 years, we've 
been increasingly able to work together. So how did you get involved with speech and debate? Well, I had a young son who was 12 years old and barely stood four feet. And he has been communicating since he was two. So he was invited by an older NCFCA competitor to attend a debate camp in the summertime. And we went to that event and I sat with him through this whole camp thinking to myself, I cannot possibly see us doing this. So my background is math and science. The idea of discussing policy and history and philosophy was very foreign to me. But my 12-year-old walked out of that camp with a vision that God has really been faithful to carry out in his life. And so he brought our entire family along in this adventure. And we've been participating now. This will be our eighth year of being involved in the league. So your 12-year-old, he's now grown up. He is. He's 19 and ironically majoring in communications. Not or, so or not ironic. so ironically. Not so yeah. ironically, I suppose. Yes, yes. So and he, how many how many children have you? We have six children. So I have two alumni, three that are currently involved in the league, and one junior who is up and coming. Mm. It's so incredible to see the younger children who grow up yes. in the environment. They get to, you know, go to the tournaments, be timers, you know, run messages. They watch their older siblings, you know, do the research and prepare. And they just come at it almost as though it's a, more of a second nature. They, they don't have some of those initial hurdles to overcome. Would you it's say so, you've observed that? It is that? so true, Andrew. When my son, my oldest son was involved in the league, I used to pack backpacks full of schooling material for my younger children to do while they were at the tournament. And it did not take me very long to realize that going to a tournament is some of the best education that you can give to your children. Because watching good communication skills then that information is caught, not taught. And so they go into that teaching with a framework, a, a, a way of looking at things. And they even evaluate the speeches themselves. What was the content like? What was the organization? How do they deliver these speeches well? So I love watching our juniors who will organically arrange their own tournament within the tournament. So you'll say, where did all the juniors go? Oh, they're over here in this classroom having a mini debate. <laughs> Yeah. And just the culture, uh, I, I've often said it's it's kind of like the ultimate youth group. It's it's almost the anti-youth group where, you know, you go to a youth group and you see the kids kind of sinking down to the lowest common level of attitude, behavior, dress, etc. You go to a debate tournament, you know, they're dressed to the T's. They're mm -hmm. very age integrated. You know, you'll see a 12-year-old uh, and a 16-year-old you know, interacting very comfortably. Yes. Uh, they, there's this desire for everyone, almost everyone, to be better, to emulate the more articulate, more respectful, more well-prepared, more prayerful uh, of the kids. So, so there's that real awareness, I think, it's in, and in great part due to the culture that the organization has nurtured which is, you know, you, you model, you emulate, you um, are essentially doing this all uh, to glorify God and learn these valuable things in the process. But in terms of a social environment, I can't think of a better one anywhere that I've ever come across. 
I agree, Andrew. One of my favorite memories was early in our involvement, we went to a tournament and we are active in our church. My son had been active in youth programs at the church, but we came home from that event and he said, mom, did you know that there were other Christians in the world? And I just thought that was so beautifully profound because God expanded his world so much through the NCFCA and some of the best influence and input into my son's life came at the hands of older teens who invested in him, who spoke life into him. And then to watch that come full circle as he is a senior going out and doing that same thing. Yeah, that is wonderful. And friendships too. Mm -hmm. I've, I've known that... Uh, people who meet in the world of speech and debate, uh, sometimes becoming partners, sometimes, uh, you know, be, being even in a different club, but seeing each other, you know, for a few days, a few times a year. And then those friendships become very lasting in some cases because there's a, a like-mindedness and a, a shared values and an excitement. I guess that's the thing. We we like to see young people get excited. Yes. I, I mean, I do. It gives me hope for the future. When you see young people, what do you like? What do you care about? Oh, I don't know. Play video games. But when you see young people who can stand up and truly be knowledgeable and excited about sharing that knowledge, you know, whether it's in policy debate or values debate or platform speeches, uh, it, it's just it's just so inspiring. I've many times uh, spoken at homeschool convention and said, if you are feeling a little bit shy of hope mm-hmm. for the future of our country and our world, go to a debate tournament. Yes. You will, you will come home and your hope level will be hugely uh, improved just because you think, wow, this is, this is a whole building full of kids that are way better than I was at that age. <laughs> It's so true. I One of the things that I love about debate in particular is that the students are trained to argue on both sides of, of the issue. And in a culture where we have lots of people expressing their opinions, debate forces you to really think as other people think and evaluate ideas at their core level, not just based on what my biases are or what my opinions are, but really it's a... It, it's a profound search for truth and looking at an issue from lots of different angles. And that is a fantastic skill for students to develop. I like that. You said profound search for truth. And, you know, it's funny in the world of education, we hear these buzzwords all the time, critical mm-hmm. thinking, right? Yes. But you go into the progressive world and not only can nobody define it, they're honestly afraid of what it might mean. Correct. So while you know, all of the standards, you know, say developing critical thinkers, uh, the curriculums just are not set to do that. The The environment of so many places is not set to do that. Uh, but yet, you know, what you just said, that, you know, pursuit of truth, that's the real purpose of rhetoric. At yes. least if you go back to, uh, you know, the ancients and what they talked about. So that's that's a key underlying philosophical value uh, or I guess tenet of NCFC what would what else would you say if if you had you know a two minutes elevator speech to say what is NCFCA all about do that for our listeners sure so the NCFCA our goal is to challenge young people to learn to listen 
to analyze and to think well and deeply about issues from multiple angles, but then also to be able to communicate in a persuasive way to bring other people along in the conversation. And so we do that through a number of different venues. First, we offer competitive opportunities. So we host over 50 tournaments a year across the country because we find that that tournament environment really challenges students to up their game. And so we leverage competition really as an avenue to challenge students to try harder and to do better. And then we also, as you mentioned, Andrew, we've come along now and said, we want to provide resources to folks on the ground. So we offer curriculum to help local clubs get started. We offer training opportunities for local club leaders so that they can lead their clubs well and get them started with the basics of debate so then they can come to tournaments and be prepared for that. And we offer our summer events, which are open events to anyone and everyone who wants to learn, who want to learn more about communication skills. So those events are for students ages 12 through 18, regardless of what their educational background is, we invite them to join us for those events online. Wonderful. Uh, So once upon a time, NCFC was kind of only homeschool. Yes. As the definition of homeschool has changed and expanded, you've also responded to this. So now pretty much uh, NCFCA participation is open to anyone? Christian students, yes. So we are still a family-run organization. It really is a family event. And so students are brought to the tournaments by their parent parent or another adult. And we really do encourage that family involvement because we feel like that is the best growing grounds for good communication skills is to involve parents as well. So you don't have to be a member of a local club to, to attend one of our tournaments, but there is great value in attending a local club. So I encourage folks to, to seek that out if you do have a club near you. And if you don't, just like Andrew mentioned, he and one other mom started a club and you can do that as well. We can help you get started in that process. Yeah. So how would a person find a club? You can visit our website, which is www.ncfca.org. And if you go down to the join menu, you'll see find a club near me. And if you have trouble with that, you're welcome also just to contact our office and we will get you in touch with the folks in your area. Yeah, I strongly encourage people to go and visit a club. It seems like the schedule is uh, they start meeting in, in August mm-hmm. and then there's you know the, the uh, policy resolution or the values resolution for the year. That, what is that announced at, usually at nationals in June or something? It is usually announced at nationals. So those resolutions are already out for 2021, and you can visit our website to see those as well. Okay. And so people then start researching, collecting information. Uh, There's different resources that you have for uh, case building cases. Yes. And then the clubs meet. Some clubs do everything. They do uh, Lincoln-Douglas values. They do policy uh, they do many different speech events. Other clubs I know just do one thing. So That's correct. Uh, you, you may find out. Tell us just a little bit about the difference between uh, what we would call value or Lincoln-Douglas and policy. Because I'm, I'm throwing these terms around, but I realize some of our listeners may not uh, – automatically know what I'm talking about. So what's the difference there? Certainly. So policy debate is a team 
of two debaters advocating for the resolution by proposing a specific plan. So let me break that down into modern English. So we look at the world and we notice that there's an issue or a problem in the status quo of what's going on right now. And then the teams will propose plans to improve that situation. And they, of course, have to support those plans with evidence and argue and persuade the judge to believe that that's a good policy. Meanwhile, the negative team is looking at that and they are doing one of two things. Either they're saying, hey, things are fine the way they are. We shouldn't change anything. Or they argue against the plan that the affirmative team has proposed by saying this plan has some unintended consequences or it's not based on solid evidence. And so they start this discussion and it's it's like a, a tennis game. The affirmative team gets up and presents their case and then the negative team gets up and volleys that ball back and says these are the issues that we see and they continue to articulate that through eight different speeches in a, in a speech in a debate round. For value debate, it's a little bit different. And it's called Lincoln-Douglas because that's a style of debate where it was one-on-one -on -one debating between Stephen Douglas and Abraham Lincoln. But the value debate portion of it, the students are looking at two competing values. So I'll, I'll go ahead and use our current resolution as an example. Our current resolution is in democratic elections, the public's right to know ought to be valued above a candidate's right to privacy. So we're not saying that either one of those is a bad thing to value. What we're saying is when they clash, when they're put up against each other, which one should be valued more? And that requires a deeper level of thinking. So we do oftentimes encourage our older students to consider Lincoln-Douglas value debate because it's based more on philosophy and on logic and on universal truth. And that takes just a, a more mature student to be able to grasp those concepts. And as you mentioned, the students must, uh, they must argue both sides of that. Absolutely. And that's where that truth searching comes out, because it's not enough just to propose your idea. You have to be able to reason both sides of that argument. Good. And in going through these rounds, um, I promise the listeners, there's uh, different kind of uh, segments. So the 1AC would be the first affirmative constructive speech. Yes. And then there'd be a 1NC, which would be a first negative constructive Mm -hmm. And then a two, and then depending on which form of debate you're doing, right. there'd be a, a, a two A of some sort and a and a two N of some sort. And there's also one of the things I am always astounded on. You know, the top the top teams that win the tournaments and the kids that go to nationals, the cross examination period. Yes, the ability of those kids to think on their feet because there's very little time to prepare and they have to ask, you know, sometimes very uh, pointed or effective questions. That cross-examination, cross-ex seems to me really and that that kind of makes the difference between the novice and the, the one who's likely to win rounds. Agreed, because it's it really takes acute listening and understanding where the real issues are, and then knowing what questions to ask to elicit the responses that are needed. I think that's a, a really great skill for students to develop. It's, it's more than just expressing your opinion. It's asking clarifying questions so that you can truly understand someone else's opinion. And that's a great skill that every person needs. Yeah, it uh, reminds me of our tagline. 
which is IEW. It's listen, speak, read, write, think. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I think that's why we have such a, a you know, a consonant with NCFCA and the, the world of, of debate. Now, you are aware uh, of the products that we have put together uh, yes. in cooperation with your people. Uh, one of them, Christy Scheip, who started the whole thing a long, long time ago with her dad, Mike Ferris. She wrote that guide to policy debate, which uh, has now been expanded significantly with Competitor's Handbook and Parent Guides. But it still includes that same DVD that, yes. uh, that you it, it does, yeah, yeah that same yes. DVD. And uh, so I guess we, it was four years ago, you said? Yeah. The, policy debate four years policy ago? policy debate, we published that first in August of 2017. Okay, so three years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we came uh, and added to that. Tell us just a little bit about these materials and then how people can get a hold of them if they would like to. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, Andrew, there is a whole language to learn about the world of speech and debate. And so we believe that those skills can be taught and they can be taught incrementally by homeschool parents, by teachers in schools, by coaches in local clubs. So what we wanted to do is come along and offer resources that would equip them to be able to do that job well. So the policy debate curriculum is broken down into chapters that can be used for weekly clubs or daily clubs classrooms. There are lesson plans provided, and there are actually activities that are already designed and ready for student use. So each comprehensive guide includes a coach's manual, a student handbook, and then also a parent's overview so that the parents can track with the students and really come along in that learning with them. So the policy debate curriculum also offers a video so that you can watch debate rounds that are then being narrated, if you will, by Christy Scheip, who's telling you different things to watch for and to notice in that debate round. So very, very helpful to be able to see it all put together as opposed to just trying to read about it in little pieces. So I strongly recommend it for local clubs that are just getting started because so much of the work has already been done for you, but you can adapt it to your own needs as well. So we use it in our homeschooling with our children, but we also use it in our local club. So I have a question about that, Amy Joy, and we get this a lot. Our customer service team gets this question a lot. I don't have a, a speech and debate club near me, and quite frankly, I am not at all interested in starting my own speech and debate club, but I am interested in having my students learn some of the values of competitive speech and debate. Is this helpful to me, this curriculum, these curriculum op- options? Are any of these better than another to start teaching my children speech or debate in just a homeschool or classroom environment without actually going into competitive competition. Absolutely. Because again, I'll go back to the idea that communication skills are necessary for every citizen of a great nation. So whether you go into competitive speech and debate, or whether you're using those skills in robotics competitions, or whether you're just using them to talk to your neighbor about the gospel, learning how to speak and think well, those are essential skills that every student needs. So yes, I would strongly encourage you to investigate them. If I were choosing for myself and and going in an order, I would start with speech. And I would tell you, you can start with speech as young as eight years old. 
young children learn how to speak very, very easily, and they don't have a lot of that nervousness that comes in in the teenage years. So you could start with the basics of how do you structure your ideas? How do you come up with ideas? How do you reason them out? And then how do you communicate them in an effective way, whether that's through adding storytelling or acting out a story? What message are you trying to communicate to your audience? Then the next step up for me would be teen policy debate. I will tell you that my my 12-year-old jumped in with both feet and he went all in with policy debate. It's very objective. You're looking at current situations, you're evaluating them, and you're proposing solutions that you think would fix or help that situation. And then at the the final level, I would move my students to Lincoln Douglas. And that is going to be a much deeper study of philosophy and timeless ideas. And it does require logic, which is the best kept secret of our Lincoln Douglas value curriculum. That is, there is a full logic course inside that curriculum as well. So even if you only teach your students that aspect of logic, it's a great resource for that. So it teaches kids how to evaluate ideas and how to weigh them out as to which one is better. So Amy Joy, when you say Lincoln Douglas, the curriculum that uh, NCFCA worked on with IEW to be for us to publish it, we actually call that values debate, the NCFCA Comprehensive Guide to Value Debate, rather that's than correct. Lincoln yeah. Douglas. Okay, yeah. just clarifying there. LD, that's just part of the slang. So um, <laughs> I know, because I'm going to contribute a tiny little bit to it, that you yes. have some summer events coming up, and I think we should finish up, and if you can just give us the schedule, who's invited, how to get involved, and is these, it going to be scary, is it going to be hard? And these summer events, you and I, Amy, Joy, were talking before the show, these kind of, these were uh, a reality due to a necessity. Invention is the, necessity is the mother of all inventions. So right. here we are. Yeah. You had to reinvent these summer camps. Yeah. So what did you do? Sure. So our NCFCA Online Summit is an annual event that we host. It is open to anyone all are welcome to come and join that event. And it is a free one week event that inspires and lays that firm foundation into communication. So it it addresses why does communication matter? Why is it important? What are the building blocks of communication and how can we teach those to our children? And then it also introduces folks to our current resolutions. So we invite in some experts to talk about that. And one of those experts is Andrew Pudawa. So you'll want to make sure to come on <laughs> I Monday, <know> July, <laughs> Monday, July 27th to hear him talk about how do we really structure ideas soundly so that the message is well received when we deliver it. So that event is on July 27th through the 31st. And again, you can visit our website. There will be information there and a link that you can take to register for that free event. Now, Amy Joy, just for our listeners' sake, you are saying free. F-R-E-E. Wow. Not three, free. Okay, awesome. Yes. And so each of those sessions is also recorded and available afterwards. So just know that that is another option if you're not able to attend the live event. 
then students who kind of get that appetite whetted and, and want to go on and dig deeper and climb higher can attend our online intensive. And as, as you mentioned, Julie, this event was really born out of the, the situations that our families are facing on the ground. Many of them are not certain that they'll be able to meet together in person this summer. And so we didn't want to miss out on some of the training opportunities that usually happen in local camps. And so we heard those cries for help and we developed the intensive, which is a one week event. Again, that is a paid event and you can find out more information on our website about that. But it involves 20 different sessions. So the first two days are geared especially towards speech. And then we have a policy debate track and a, a value debate track that you'll have to choose from because both of those are happening at the same time. But those events, we have brought in coaches and NCFCA leaders and NCFCA alumni to lead those sessions that involve teaching, but then practical application. So for our folks who are able to meet in person, they might choose to do that as a local club to stream the teaching part and then actually perform the activities locally. But for those of us, I, I live in the great state of Illinois and we will not be able to meet in person. So those folks are able to join our live breakout sessions and those groups will be students about eight students in each group that will be facilitated by a trained coach to do those practical activities. So it's going to be a great, great week. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear you're able to do this. I know that when we uh, started our club uh, in California, the second year, we were able to send four or five of the kids to an actual camp where you sleep in a dorm and meet all day, every day. And just the intensive nature of that was so beneficial. Yes. And and they came back from the camp kind of now knowing more than, you know, we the coaches did. Sure. Uh, and then uh, when we moved to Oklahoma and uh, I started up with my last two children, I actually brought in a couple coaches and did a camp for the kids in the community here. Because I thought, there's no way I'm going to convince these parents to send these kids somewhere else. Right. Uh, and again, just having a week to completely focus on that one thing. And as you said, just dig deeper uh, was so beneficial. So I'm glad you'll have that opportunity. And it's, of course, going to be much more accessible to many people who wouldn't otherwise be able to, um, even without uh, restrictions on gathering, just the expense and, and travel involved. So sounds like uh, you've got the best of both worlds going there. We do. Andrew, that event is August 3rd through the 7th. And while it does have a cost associated, I think you will find that it's the most affordable thing out there right now. So I encourage you, if you're interested in getting started or whether you've been in the league for a number of years, it's going to be a great event. And here, here's just one last little idea. There may be people who don't have kids that are in the age bracket, or maybe we have teachers or grandparents listening. If someone wanted to support the mission of the NCFCA, it is a nonprofit organization and people could donate to yes. what you're doing. Is that right? Absolutely. And again, I would encourage you to visit our website. There is a place where you can um, affiliate as a, a sponsor or a supporter of NCFCA. So if you go to the website and click on the join menu, there is a, a button there for supporter. And we would love to have you join us in accomplishing our mission. Now, I personally know Amy Joy because 
I've been recruited on a number of occasions <laughs> that it's not just money you're looking for. You're looking for time. You're looking yes. for judges at these tournaments. And so that's just another opportunity if you sign up on your website and put your location of where you are. You have a front row seat to kids who want nothing more than to impress you with their powers of persuasion. It's really, <laughs> really an exciting thing to be a judge. Even though you have no idea what you're doing, there's always Yeah, well, there's involved. no no uh, prerequisites no. to be a judge. You get oriented no. and you 18 and walk. breathing, pretty and, much. And really, right? <laughs> as I understand it, we want a wide variety of judges, you know, some parents, some community members, some alumni, it, people off the street who have never seen anything like this before because part of the the goal is for the students to be prepared to communicate to anyone and everyone. That's right. It, that is one of the distinctives of our league is that community judge mentality that we all evaluate communication. Um, lest you think that's the case, just turn on Fox News or CNN in a room full of people and everyone will have an opinion <laughs> about what's being shared. And so our goal is to teach our students how to communicate with the people that God puts in their path. And that's going to look different in your neighborhood and your workplace and, and in the world at large. And so we ask community judges to come in and, and our community judges are our heroes. I mean, they volunteer across this country hundreds of hours every year. So last year, I think we calculated 5,000 community judges who invested into the leaders of tomorrow by sharing feedback on their communication skills today. That's terrific, awesome. Amy. Well, and we've mentioned the website many times. In case you miss it, if you're driving or you're walking, you can always go to our show notes and find it. That's ncfca.org, www.ncfca.org. So that's great. Well, Amy, Amy, it's been a delight having you a part of this podcast on this hot, summery, sweltery day. Thankfully, online conferences can happen in the blissful air-conditioned environment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Amy Joy, your name suits you. It has been a joy speaking with you today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.